The views and opinions expressed on the 10-8 podcast are those of the authors and guests individually. They do not necessarily reflect an official policy or position. The 10-8 podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not affiliated with any entity, agency, or department. The moon outside Too bright Those blinds, yeah Let's just keep them closed You know My hands, they know where to go To find your fingertips Trace them back to your lips Take you on a trip Flip that switch Make my world go black Hit me like a heart attack Knock me flat on my back, yeah Just keep doing that, that thing you're doing there Brush me with your hair, I swear I don't know how long that I can last Make my world go black Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, whenever and wherever you're listening. Welcome to episode 22 of the 10A podcast, The Escape Clause. The music that led us into right now was Black by Dirk Bentley, one of my favorite country stars out right now. Uh, I am a little partial to country right now. I know usually it's the whole pop punk thing, but I did spend a few days up in Nashville, as I said last week. So thus my music choice for today. My guest today is Instagrammer Allie Oops. That's her Instagram handle. Uh, we're going to be talking about why she left law enforcement for good. Now, this is a very interesting and poignant topic, and I'm actually very excited to talk about it. We've been kind of hinting at this for a while. Things finally uh, lined up properly, and we're actually going to be talking about it. I feel like so many people in our profession right now are looking at the current state of affairs and in, in you know current events and, and kind of looking at where they are in regards to their career. I mean, when you take it all into effect, into account, like last year, uh, it could very well be your life, your livelihood at risk, or worse, it could be your, your family's means to survive at risk. And, you know, as we're seeing, some of these, like, high-profile social justice influence cases that from last year, uh, Kenosha one is the one that comes to mind immediately, we're seeing that the police officers were left off, let off the hook. What they did wasn't bad, wasn't illegal, wasn't immoral, but still their careers and more importantly their lives are in ruins because of it. Now, I could go all about the knee-jerk reaction the society had or you know, what was the media trying to spin, but that's not really what I'm talking about today. Uh, what we really need to do today is take a look at what we have and what we have to lose and we have to decide what's best for us. Now, I love this profession. I love the work that we do, and I talk about it all the time. Obviously, I make the memes, I make the podcast. Police work is basically my life, almost around the clock, but luckily I can kind of take a break from it anyway. I talk to amazing professionals daily through the Instagram, through the podcast, and it's great. They're from around the country and even around the globe. The brotherhood and the family that we have is real, and it is amazing. But we need to be honest with ourselves. Now, I've said this before. If it's dampening your mental strength and your mental health, you need to take a big look at it. If you're not feeling like you anymore, if it's giving you insurmountable anxiety, stress, anger, resentment, whatever, you need to look behind 
and beyond the thin blue line. Maybe, you know, not to say that you're not going to work in public service or, or, you know, be involved in law and order or crime prevention, but maybe being a police officer, a, a, a sheriff's deputy, state trooper, whatever, maybe that's not for you. Maybe you need to look for something else. Listen, we're all smart. We all have a lot of experience. We can very easily take our knowledge and experience and take it to the private sector and have way less stress at the end of the day. Now, listen, guys, you need to be proactive and you need to take care of yourself. Because here's the thing. If you drop dead from this job or if the stress or um, PTSD or whatever leads you to take your own life, God forbid, your replacement will be in your patrol car before your funeral starts. That's why I'm all about and all for taking time off. I take my vacation days. Uh, I had a question come up before about if I got injured, how quickly would I come back to work? I'm going to take my time. Don't call me on my time off. If I have an on-call position, that's fine. But when I'm off, you better lose my number. You know, my family, my loved ones, myself is worth more to me than this job. Now, sure, our missions are valiant and they're true. And it is a calling. But at the end of the day, what is important is if you are running on empty, you can't serve to the best of your ability. And supervisors, if you're listening, you need to take into account your troops. If someone on your squad is screwing up more than normal, you should be in tune with them. There's something else going on. They didn't, they didn't just forget how to be a cop overnight. I mean, maybe they did. But I don't think so. There's probably more going on there. You need to sit down and talk to them. Figure out what's going on. Are they stressed? Are they overworked? Do they need a day off? A police leader once said, and I never thought about it this way, that if you're tired, well, exhaustion's a form of sick right? So, or a form of sickness. Give the guy a day off. Let the guy regroup, you know? And if there's something going on at home, let them take care of it. I'm not saying milk the system, and we all know that cops can do that too, especially the lazy ones. But again, you know your people. If if you know that you've got a hard charger and he is just not doing what he's good at, and again, I say he, but that's unisex in this case, you need to know that. You may be seeing these people more than their family sees them. If you're not picking up on these small things, you're asking for more problems. But that's all I'm going to say about it for now. I don't want to give too much away of our conversation. So uh, after this short music break brought to you by the good friends at MXPX, if you don't know who that is, we have problems. Uh, we're going to have my talk with Ali ridiculous things i didn't even think it was i don't know if it's ridiculous or just the straight up you know super excited rookie to get out there and really like change the world um my fto and i so we're like fresh out the gate still with an fto turns out to be um one of the guys a guy i I trained with i used to dispatch um he used to be a cop at the department i I became a dispatcher at, at first he ends up working at the agency I worked at. Um, initially, I worked for a sheriff's office before I worked for a local town municipality. 
and he was following behind us. So my FTO is this a guy I just met, and I have this buddy behind me who I who I've known for years. And we're driving in one of the inner cities. So since we're county, we can go all over the place. Um, we're driving in one of the inner cities, and I had actually uh, interned at in this specific city, uh, my senior year of college. And I became, you know, I guess aware of as much as I could become aware of as a college kid riding along in a cop car thinking I'm cool as shit. But, um, so I remember this one dude that we, that we had arrested when I was riding along with a female officer and he was, I guess you could say your local homeless guy, your local bum. And, you know, we're driving along now, fast forward FTOing and we're going up one of these side streets and sure as shit, I see this guy that I recognize from, from my, my ride along. And he's laying there on the side of the street and unbeknownst to me at this time, because I'm so fresh, I don't realize that literally everyone in certain areas, you know, jurisdictions, counties, all know each other. Um, they all know the people they deal with, obviously, sure, as you know, too. Mm -hmm. um, so I didn't realize they knew who he was because I thought I was super cool knowing who this homeless guy was. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's a guy. That's a local. I know. I know that guy. And he's laying there on the side of the road. And... <laughs> they're, they're sitting there like, just, just don't look at him. jurisdiction probably across uh -huh. our county and 10 counties over and uh he's been around a while so um that became me wanting to be i guess a superhero laughing sock of the county for a short period of time because here i was everyone's avoiding him because they they're, they're trying not to get you know the uh the hiv I, can i can i i don't know how i can say it yeah no <laughs> <laughs> trying to stay clear of this guy and here i am like this little bopsy blonde thinking i'm badass as hell like yeah this is great i'm gonna cuff this guy up take him in change his life reform him and everyone's telling me you know what you're gonna do is you're gonna come to appearance ticket and we're gonna try to have the ent throw him in the ambulance before we all get infected with whatever the fuck he's got uh -huh. so yeah that's that's probably like my fresh out the gate story of thinking i'm <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna Away, which we didn't really think was going to happen ever. Mm -hmm. But yeah. um, 
nice dude, just super, super gung ho and ready out the gate. And I don't know, dude. I, <laughs> I think that was a reality check. That yeah, not everyone can be saved. Was probably the moral of that story. <laughs> you know, as much as you want to, and <laughs> you can't save everyone. Especially when they're laying at Mexican food and don't want to get the fuck up. <laughs> nope, that's usually a solid life trajectory right there. If you're face first in Mexican food, it's either Taco Tuesday or you got some bigger problems going oh, on. Oh, yeah, when you got bodegas up and down the street, like, why would you not be carrying your Mexican food? I think, like, the right. biggest problem was the fact it was on the ground, not the fact that he was on the ground. <laughs> right, yeah, excellent. <laughs> but, you know what, I think there there are some learning points from that, Um Oh, yeah. you know, well, obviously, um, but, <laughs> but, you know, I think every jurisdiction has the frequent flyers. Everyone knows these people. They know that they're like, you know, the, either the town drunk or the town oh, yeah. problem, whatever it might be. And I had one exactly that way. So she, uh, she was a homeless woman. So she was actually, um, very, uh, her family, I should say, is actually very wealthy, but she had a drinking problem. And she, they said, hey, we will count you into all the money that you're entitled to if you stop drinking. And she was like, nope, I want my booze. So she was living on the street. When you get out with her, uh, and I'm saying like when she did get arrested, but many times or not, you wouldn't arrest her because she had all these different uh, exactly. warrants or whatever. But <laughs> the thing was like, you know, when I was starting out, I was on our prisoner transport van and mm-hmm. she just, she didn't care. Like she was wheel, wheelchair bound at this point and she just pooped. She didn't tell you she was going to poop. She just <laughs> pooped. And like, I remember like wheeling her into the, the jail, into the booking area. And she is just leaving a Hershey trail from my van to the front door. It was absolutely disgusting. So that's why we don't arrest this person. So why do they always shit themselves? Like, I don't, I don't get I, it, dude. I don't know. There's got to be some level of decency left. Like, I get it. You know, you're living on the street. You're always yeah. drunk. I get it. But there's still... Why the poop? I don't like, get it. Yeah. At what point do you think this is a great idea? I'm, I'm in the back right. of a car. I'm going to shit my pants. Like, right. <laughs> or, like, I'm sitting, not on a toilet. Let me just let it go here. Just let it go. Just let it <laughs> let it fly. I don't know. But, yeah. So, and, and just like your story, she did end up passing away. But because she was connected and her family did have money, she passed away in a hospital room like, oh my like she was admitted. So, it was just a very weird tale of two cities kind of thing with her. And, you know, there's so my my uh, area with a lot of coastal or southern like beach towns, mm-hmm. very, very high transient or homeless population. And, you know, you get a lot of the frequent flyers and, and some of them I actually liked. And that's weird. Like, oh, um, yeah, you they know, have you, stories like amazing stories. Some of them, you know, they don't plan to be where they're at. It's just. It's where the cards fell. Yeah, uh, one of them. So this one guy, um, I, I I liked him. He was, uh, oddly enough, he kind of reminded me of my father in ways. Not not that my father was a homeless drunk. I'm just saying there were, there were some redeeming qualities of this guy. And um, one day, so he had drank so much, though, that his brain just wasn't there anymore. Um, but there was one day that he kind of came out of detox and, or he, I should say he escaped detox and that's how I came in contact with him. And, um, and I, you know, he was kind of on the sober side and I was like, I was like, man, what, how, why are you here? Why is this your life? Like what happened? And he, he kind of, you know, he was lucid for a minute. And like you said, they have stories and, yeah. and no one intends to be homeless ever. I mean, some do, um, yes, but some, it's a way of life. Others, you know, it's just, 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, and then, you know, it's easy to get frustrated with them too because there are a uh, select of them that are just like, no, I just, I want to live free and not pay taxes and do what I want and drink my beers and there we yeah, go. Yeah, I know. I'm like, how can you argue with that? Like, yo, can I have a beer with you? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, I, I don't drink Natty Light, but like, we, we can make this work one time. Yeah, yeah, sometimes you got to make an exception. <laughs> right. I was going to say one time this guy was drinking like a, a craft-ish beer and I'm like, all right, bro. Like, it was a good day panhandling, wasn't it? Like, okay. <laughs> I love that, though, because I literally would do the same thing. And like I said, I started, I did about a year and a half at um, the county sheriff's office. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually went through the Corrections Academy first and right out of the Corrections Academy, because that academy uh, took place on site. And Mm -hmm. the way um, our facility is set up is that the jail portions in the back of the building, well, they call it the back and the front. So they're connected. Mm -hmm. Um. So unbeknownst to me, I guess, like, people up front, quote-unquote, were, like, watching my, my academy, and I was the only female in my academy. And then they bumped me right from, as soon as I graduated that three-month academy, they put me right into the police academy for... A three-month academy? Yeah, so for corrections, wow. it was only three months. Okay. But I have to say, though, the PT for that academy was pretty fucking legit. Okay. And I, don't, I went through with, like, such an awesome group of guys that it was like it flew by and i don't know there's certain portions of it where i feel like that academy that three months was almost mentally more exhausting than the police academy Mm. um unless it was really just me never even being in an academy so that was my first go at it you know could be from that one into another one you're basically like oh fuck this i know you're messing with me like yell in my face all you want dude i know you're not touching me (laughs) yeah but, uh, so I did that, and then once I got on the road, um, what we did was really just basically the prisoner transports, like you were saying that you do, um, for, uh, all the inmates to different courts, and what I, and also, if, if a local municipality, if someone had to be transported to the jail, they would call the sheriff's office, you know, we'd go out to their, their station, whatever, wherever they're at, pick them up, and then bring them to the facility, so it became a very routine thing to pick up people under, you know, whether they're drunk, high, God only knows what the hell's going on with them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, uh, but that was always a common thing for me. Like, I would always ask people, how did you end up here? Like, if you don't mind me asking. And that was like a huge thing for me just in general, because I'm a very, you know, I treat everyone as your human being. You know, I didn't mm-hmm, get into yeah. this to have a shield, to have a gun and be like, yo, I'm badass as fuck, dude. Look at me. Like, <laughs> I mean, that was a perk a little bit. But <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. At the same time, too, like, that's not why I got into this career. So I was genuinely curious, and I have a background in mental health um, as I continued my training also throughout law enforcement. Um, but that was always just something I was so curious about, especially for how people got into being addicted to heroin. That just—I never understood that. Like how? Yeah, yeah. Oh, like y'all literally just stick needles in your arms and just don't even give a fuck. Mm-hmm. So my question to them was always, how'd you get there? And a lot of them either had one or two, one, one reason or another. It was either, you know, I got I got hurt in an, an accident or whatever the case may be. Yeah. I was on painkillers and then it went from there. Got addicted, couldn't stop. You know, it went from there. Or it was my significant other got involved and it got me involved and then it went from there but i was like in all seriousness no all seriousness though how do you shit 
they were like, and every single one of them was like, what? And I'm like, no, but like, like really, like, whenever I had surgery, whenever I had anything going on where I needed like any sort of like a painkiller or whatever, dude, that, that backs you up, like, painful. Yeah. <laughs> and they're looking at me and they're like, what the hell? And I was like, no, but like, seriously. And then they always said the same thing, like. Yo, I've never been asked that question before. You're right. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, but is that why, like, a lot of y'all have, like, Ethiopian bellies, like, where it's all distended and everything? And they actually agree. Like, I've had, honestly, probably about, like, ten different people that I've, that I've you know, come encounter with. And they say the same exact thing. Like, I've never had anyone ask me before. Yeah. No, I don't shit. Like, ever. <laughs> like, <that is> probably <laughs> the one thing... If not, you know, the whole, you know, dying, overdosing thing. Um, <laughs> why would you do that? Why would you want to get stuck? I don't know about you, but that would not be comfortable for me. No, but not at all. It's always, like, it's amazing, though, to, like, hear where these people come from and, like, how they got stuck on it. And it's just like, all right, well, now we're going to go from here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's true. And, you know, what I always enjoy about the work we do is – the cause and effect, right? Absolutely. Like, like, and, and I actually, next week I'm talking to somebody about problem oriented policing. And that is the whole point of it is like, you know, you can work a case by case basis. You can arrest a car burglar, you can arrest a drug dealer, whatever, but that's, that's an individual case. If you want yeah. to actually make some change, which is very hard these days, but if you want to make some change, you got to go beyond that. You got to look outside that scope. So I, I agree. Like when I get out with people, especially now, like I do more investigations and I can actually like take some time. I'm not humping calls, you know, back to back. I can sit down and talk to them and be like, exactly like you said. And I've, I've asked people either, um, you know, how'd you get here? Why'd you choose this life? Whatever. Or when it comes to heroin, I remember I arrested a girl. She had, um, overdose brought back on Narcan. Um, and then we, we ended up arresting her for something else. And, you know, I, I, I sit down with her and, you know, I was sitting down with her for the purpose of my investigation, but I was like, you know, it was, it was someone my age. So think about it this way. Here's how I see heroin addiction. If you are middle-aged and you've been a lifelong heroin user, I almost can get it. Um, it it's almost a way of life for you now. Yeah. You know, you've been addicted for so long, but someone our age or younger that get, that picks it up, you know, what's going to happen. Like exactly. you have seen people, you know, of people, you've seen the stories. Why? How? Yeah, exactly. Why? Like, like, and I said to this girl, I said, there are two outcomes that are going to happen. You're either going to overdose and die because uh-huh. someone doesn't have Narcan close enough. Yep. Or you're going to wind up in prison because you're going to do something to chase that high. And you're just going to get stuck in prison. Like why? Yep. And, and then you find out all these things. Oh, you know, my, my dad, uh, abused me and then, and then this, and you know, there's, there's just so much to these people's stories and it's so easy to kind of discredit it on face value, but there's just so much more to it. And, you know, like we said, no one, you know, is a six year old kid and goes, you know what I want to be when I grow up (laughs) a homeless drug addict. Exactly. Like I'm getting (laughs) junkie when I turn 13, like, no way. I'll wait till I'm 25. Maybe I'll try it then. Like what? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. It, it, I don't know. It, and that's maybe that's like the sensitive, caring part. But again, that's how we fix these problems. That's how we combat the crime on the street. We, if we see where the criminal element is coming from, we know where they need to go or how we can, or 
at least lead them in the right direction, get them the proper services they might need. And thus, oh, you know, that might be touchy feely on the, on one side, but it also means, Hey, if this person isn't in my jurisdiction anymore, Hey, <laughs> that's, exactly. <laughs> that's one less person I got to arrest. Exactly. And it's one less problem that could cross my path. You know, exactly. And it seems like it, oh, when, or if and when the situation doesn't go like in the correct way, they always find their way back to you. It's not like someone yeah. else is going to deal with them. It's uh-huh. going to be you. Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh, exactly. And there, you know, we were just talking about like the, the frequent flyers and everything. And, and one, another one that I enjoy talking to uh, when he's sober, mm-hmm. same thing. Like every time I always cut him a break, right? Cause, yeah. Cause he's a good guy when he's sober. And then when he, when he screws up, guess who is right in front of me? Like, bro, yep. go, <laughs> like I, I cut you how many breaks and, and then when I do slap cuffs on him he's like oh man really I'm like, exactly how, how many you know I can I can give you an inch don't don't take it a mile oh hell yeah 100% and that's and that's how it seems to go and it's almost like sometimes people just take it at, at a comfort level and then think like oh no nah, I can get away with it. like no nah, dude no you can't and like right right come on you know you, you try to get to know them or you try to help someone and I feel like mm. a lot of it too like how you said should be trained mm-hmm. and you 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 need to be trained to be a fucking human being like and to still treat people like human beings and i feel like that's something that is lost on i don't want to say a lot of people but it is lost on some people who get into this field right yeah they, they put on that uniform they put on that duty belt and they're like all right you know they take that authoritarian stance this is the law. I am, you know, the whole Judge Dredd thing. Like, I am the law. Yeah. No, yeah. bro, chill. Dude, it's you know so what? nauseating. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's almost like you stand back and it's like, do you see yourself? Like, do you realize what you look like right now? Like, yeah. not only do you look bad, so, like, it makes your partners look bad. It makes your agency look bad, you know? Oh, for sure. And obviously, as we all know, with this past year in 2020 and what happened, and, I mean, we're not going to go fully into that, but um, it's just... You gotta, you gotta take your head out of your ass. It's not about. I've seen people uh, that I either work with or around go toe to toe with someone in a shouting match. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa! If you're screaming at someone toe to toe, like nose to nose, you've already lost. Like that is not, that's not where we're doing. If you, if you have any reason to be that close to someone to yell at somebody, throw some cuffs on. Yeah, exactly. Like there's there's no reason for us to be getting in shouting matches. Like I, I almost never raise my voice on duty. Yeah. Everything is is just a conversation. Sometimes I'll even get quieter. I have a very minimal teaching background, but I know that with when you're dealing with people, if you get quieter, they're gonna listen, which means they're gonna get closer to you, mm-hmm. and then they're gonna take in what you have to say. You know what I mean? And it's not yeah. like giving up my command presence. It's just the way I talk to people is the way that I interact with people. So, yeah, absolutely. you know, it's, it all comes down to communications with, or yeah, communications with people and just how you interact with them. And, oh, and yeah. I think you made a good point with that. Yeah. It, it like really is. It's just lost on so many people. And I feel like that's also something that I guess you can teach to an extent. Um, but it's really something I think that's a personality trait as well. You know, right. there's only so, there's only so far, 
past the ego that you can break through before, you know, either you don't get through it or, you, you know, you make some progress and you're like, okay, this guy's humbling himself or this girl's humbling herself or whatever the situation may be. But, you know, it is a learned behavior, but at the same time too, it's like, you got to have that mindset going into it also that you're right. not here to crack skulls and do all this, you know, crazy shit that you do see in the movies, which, you know, you are going to do some crazy shit, but it's not going to be like that. You got to realize like you're dealing with real people. Like, yeah. Yeah. Every it's day. like you really not to say that there isn't a time when you may have to be Rambo. Not saying oh, that. Of course. I mean, oh, hell but yeah. Dude, if, you, if you're not like, yeah, you got to turn that on when you need that shit. On. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but, but there's a difference between running into an active shooter yeah. and dealing with a domestic, you know what oh, I mean? So, okay. and you can't have the mindset of the active shooter in the domestic. 100%. You know? Yeah. And, and you know, I've seen it, you've seen it, everybody listening has seen it. The guy that's like treating everybody like, you know, they're about to go to war. Like easy there, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Easy oh, there, yeah. Rambo. It's a, it's a grandmother. Uh, she's not a threat. Yeah, like, exactly. Exactly. So. Let me tell you, I, literally as you're saying, I've got like one person that's coming to mind right now. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm, like picturing, I'm like picturing situations that I've seen them in and I've like heard them in and I'm thinking of different situations I've had to literally fucking fix for this asshole. And mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, like you don't have to do that. Like, like it just baffles me, I think, because my mentality's not there in that yeah. realm, I guess you could say. So it's like I can only understand it so far. But it's like, yo, not everyone's out to get you. Like everyone thinks right. we're out to get them. Like don't put that facade up. Mm-hmm. Vice versa, you know. Yep. Uh, exactly. And I can think of so many times recently, you know, pulling up to a convenience store or whatever, getting out, and people look at me a certain way, and. Yep. It 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 pay it costs us zero to walk up and be like, hey man, how you doing? Absolutely. Like I I'm here to get a coffee. I'm not here to mess with you, but you're gonna look at me, so I'm gonna extend oh, yeah. some kindness. Yeah, and be like, hey, how are you? And then then they they're either gonna like keep mean mugging me, mm-hmm. or a conversation's gonna start. And then yep. who knows what what that can be? Maybe maybe it's a guy that hey, he's got something that he needs to tell you, mm-hmm. and he's gonna be like, you know what, this cop's okay. Or, or maybe not. Maybe it's just, just a guy. Yeah. But you never know. Just, just break the whole nonsense of yeah. you know us versus them mentality. And Absolutely. another thing is like we're we're all citizens together. Like that's mm-hmm. that's the whole thing. You know, yes, this is our job, but yeah. that's it. It's just the job. And that's you know, I, it. yeah, I get the whole this is a calling thing. It definitely does take a certain kind of brain chemistry and. Uh, drive to be in this profession. I get that 100%. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, when I'm going home, I'm going home. Like yep. the the memes and the podcast that kind of changes a little bit what I do off duty now. But you know, I when when I'm done doing this stuff, I'm done doing this stuff, and I don't want to talk about it anymore. Oh, absolutely. And like not for nothing. Like as you said, you know, you go home, you do your podcast and the memes and everything. And like, let's be real. The f- Okay, I gotta blow some some smoke up your ass for a second because like your meme <laughs> page is fucking fire, dude. Like <laughs> every single thing that you post, I die at. And then at the same time too, I was like, yo, I think I've liked every single post he's done for like the last three weeks. This is super creepy. But at the same time, it's just like I'm laughing so hard because it is so relatable and it brings that comedic relief to the 
the sadness, the madness, the, mm-hmm. the hostility, you know, even, even the amazing moments, you still need to kind of like take a step back and humble yourself because you, know, you could have had a call that went incredible. You just either saved a life or you made a difference. And then your next call could be a complete fucking catastrophe. Right. And right. Yep. you almost like need to be like schizo bipolar in a sense. Absolutely. To, like to put up that face to, to really take away, you know, your emotions and everything like that and that's where like exactly what you said it's it's just a job hell yeah mm-hmm. it's a calling because by no means is this something for everybody mm-hmm. and that's something like i'm sure you saw in your academy um mine actually no one quit out of mine people started dropping like flies afterwards but um like it, it tests you. you you have to be tested to see if this is something that you can do you can handle yeah and i think that you know, I hit my five-year mark August 29th in 2020, this past year. And I had turned 29 on the 23rd of August. So those two things happened back-to-back. And I had already really been having a lot of thoughts and feelings about, like, is this what I want to do now for the next 15 years or 15 to 20 years? Because the way New York works, it's either it, – it's a weird retirement system. But, uh, and I really, like it, – it, it took me back, and it's not something I thought I was going to think about, especially because I, I made it through the academy. I made it through two academies. Mm-hmm. I dealt with all this bullshit, you know what I mean? Like, you go home, it's like, all right, well, what else could happen? And then you get to the point where it really starts wearing on you. And I didn't think it would the way it did. And I think I just hit that point where it's like, fuck, I got to think about it in the sense of exactly that. It's just a job. And when I started really feeling like my health, my mental health was being compromised in ways that I wasn't even anticipating possible, that's when you got to like take a step back and realize like, hell yeah, we have some really good pensions. We've got, you know, depending on where you are, you Mm -hmm. have the the pension retirement system, the benefits, everything like that. It's like, is it worth it to walk away right now? And, you know, I got to a point where I was like, yeah, right now it is the, the best thing to do. And I got to tell you, my last day on the road was December. 2020 and my last like official day on the books was the beginning of february and i don't regret it for a single second dude i yeah. loved every moment every single moment in law enforcement and i'm so grateful for all the trainings all the people everything that i've encountered and learned from but it's just you know sometimes you gotta really think exactly that like all right this is a job there's other jobs I mm-hmm. served my purpose. I think I helped who I needed to help, hopefully. You know, as long as you're you're, you're getting out for the right reasons, you're not getting, like, kicked out or fired. But, uh, right, right. No, yeah. It's like, and I think that that was a big reality check. You know, I know I threw my fiancé for a complete loop, especially because he's also in the law enforcement field, so he, I blindsided him with that one. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I, I have a shit ton of dreams I want to do, and I'm a very creative person. I'm also a very logical person. Um, so it's, it, I felt like I was losing a lot of my creativity um, in a lot of things I was doing um, on the job and, and handling. But uh, I think it was just definitely, definitely weird for people to think like, wait a second, like you didn't, I, I didn't have, like I didn't get in trouble for anything. I didn't, I'm not escaping something. You know what I mean? It was literally right. a moment where I was like, or quite a few moments that ended up. And I think it was literally a night when I was putting, or excuse me, a morning, I was putting on my vest 
and it felt like a straitjacket. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm like, not to get like super deep, but like, that is literally like what I felt like in that exact moment. And I think that that's when I realized, like really realized like, okay, yeah, my thoughts are legit. Like this isn't for me anymore. And I think you get into like certain dangerous um, situations down the line where people have that feeling and they ignore it. Yes. And yep. they, they push through it. And that's when you get to like, let's be real. How many people are divorced on this job? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? How many families have been broken, broken up or how many fucking domestics go on? Like people have these all different breaking points. And that was a big, that, that, I think that's huge. Like you need to know when to say enough is enough. And I think I'm very grateful that I was able to, and I think I did. Um, and a lot of people who didn't understand why I did, why I left, they're starting to kind of like really get that. And I do have other people who are still on the job, friends of mine who are like, yo, I wish I could do that, but I can't get out now. I've, I've got too many years invested. I've got this going on, that going on. And yeah, it's, yeah. You know, I guess, I guess not everyone can, can escape, <laughs> per se, <laughs> but yo, it just... It's a lot. It's definitely a yeah. lot. And if, if you're not fully in that for the long haul, I think that it's time to, to reevaluate your position yeah. and what you're doing, you know? Right. Yep. And uh, something that I said, I have said, and I'll continue to say is like, you have to be proactive with your own mental health. Um, when, when it comes to law enforcement, we always preach proactivity because that's the way criminals get stopped. And that's the way things you know, crimes stop or, yeah. or, or thwarted. But you have to think about that pro, that word and that, that phrase proactivity about yourself. Um, you, you know, we're so, and, and it's hard in this job because we're, we're very, um, you know, we want to help people. We want to help people. Well, well, what about, what about us? We're people. We gotta, we gotta help ourselves. We gotta take care of ourselves and do what's right. And you had the, the, I don't know, self-awareness that you weren't you anymore. And you, and, and then, but that's, that's good. And so many people, they will kind of mask that. And I've talked about it in different episodes before where people will resort to drugs or alcohol or gambling or, or infidelity or all these different kind of extracurricular activities, which none of them are good. I mean, maybe if you hit the gym a lot, but still that's (laughs) yeah, exactly. Like, you got to find your vice. And unfortunately so many people because of the fucked up shit we see and deal with, like it's not always a healthy vice, you know? Right. Exactly. And you know, I'm not, one thing I don't want this episode to do is for everyone to be like, you know what? I've been feeling pretty shitty recently. I'm out. Like, hold no, on a second. Yes, <laughs> no, we are not saying that y'all. If you're taking it as that, that is not what we're saying. No, no. Bad, and, and I was talking about this in another episode where I said, listen, bad days happen. You can yeah. get grumpy. You can get, you know, fed up with the job. That's normal. Absolutely. But, but there's a, there's a big difference between, Hey, I need a day off and this just ain't for me. And you need to know the real difference. And also, you know, it may not be that the job isn't for you, but maybe that place isn't for you and you need to go to a different agency. There's, there's different avenues with all this. And it is a difficult decision. One that obviously you 
thought out and, and you factored in your personal life, you factored in your family life and you made what was the, the right move for you. Um, so speaking on that, like mm-hmm. what, what did you notice about yourself that was changing in the job or while being on the job that you were like, whoa, 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 th- this ain't me. Dude, I am quite possibly one of the bubbliest people mm-hmm. <laughs> you could like ever meet. Like, honestly, I nonstop laughing, nonstop smiling. Um, when I was in the academy, I got yelled at all the time because I was always smiling, laughing and God forbid, you know, you show any sort of emotion. And one thing that the director would always ask me as you're, you know, marching down the hallway, not making eye contact with anyone, God forbid, is, you know, they'd be like, Susie, why are you smiling? Why are you mm-hmm. smiling? And I'm like, sir, today's a good day. And he's like, why is today a good day? And I'm like, sir, every day above ground's a good day, sir. You know, that's just like, that yeah. is who, who I am. That's, that's, that's just, literally who I am. And when I started losing that and I was finding myself, you know, coming home and just, I was fucking angry. And I'm like, why am I angry? Like, even if it was a good shift and nothing, like not even a single call, I was still angry and I couldn't figure it out. And, you know, I would think about like, I'm something I'm, I'm starting to become more open with because I'm noticing that it's probably a topic that really should be talked about more is, ADHD and anxiety, especially within women. And I'm realizing that ADHD goes undiagnosed in women um, more often than men up until like their late twenties. So a lot of things that, you know, I was dealing with, or I guess, you know, masking or whatever, whatever had to do with that. And I think that certain situations um, that, and this is gonna probably gonna sound so ass backwards, but law enforcement was actually like the calming part of it for me. Like, mm-hmm. I think it was almost like real life was and, and i'm not even saying this like my my life is great and i'm very grateful for it like amazing people surrounded by awesome people and that's what confused me was that why am i angry coming home to an amazing life super loving fiance incredible family and i'm just miserable and i'm looking mm-hmm. at people differently and not in the sense of like you know we obviously we have to profile one way or another it is what it is it's the job but when you're doing it, when you're off the job and it starts consuming you and then you start hearing like, you know, your loved ones, your friends saying like, all right, enough, enough is enough. Like, I don't want to hear it. Like, yeah, stop pointing yeah. out that person. Stop pointing out this thing. Stop counting that. Stop. And I don't realize it. You know, you don't realize it until it's pointed out to you because we're trained to do that. We're trained to be so hyper vigilant and aware which is also a great thing to have, you know, like mm-hmm. a skill to have. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's a time and a place, you know. And when it turned into almost um, an overwhelming and a, it consumed, I think, my, my off-duty life, that's when it was really starting. To, I had to reevaluate what was going on. And then yeah. I think a lot of that started happening at the same time as the pandemic, this lovely or plant-demic, if you ask me, but, you know, that's a whole nother topic, but, uh, (laughs) um, and there was just things that, you know, I, I, I started feeling shitty in the sense of, is this how, does this have to do with work, and I had to re, I first reevaluated my personal life, and once I realized, like, no, that's not where it's stemming from, and, and then I had to think to myself, like, why, but no, like, work is what was the calming thing for me, because there's so much structure, and, you know, and I'm, I'm just someone who, who needed that, um, and when I started realizing that it was actually stemming from 
my altered perspective on people and situations because of, you know, different experiences on the job, that that's when I realized like, okay, I'm becoming someone I don't know. And this is not okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not able to sit down. Like I'm, I always said I was a black sheep of my family because you know, everyone else in my family, they're either like into computers or teaching or, or, or that along the lines. And I'm the only female, I mean, I'm the only uh, girl. I have four brothers and I'm the only girl. And I'm right. the only one who got into like, you know, <laughs> hands-on like career. But we just have such different views. And it seemed, it, was, it wasn't in a sense of like, we could all talk about it copacetically anymore. It was my view, I, I started becoming clouded by a lot of negativity that I thought I was able to keep out, but I just wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I think that is okay to say. <laughs> <laughs> it is okay to say that this job starts changing you. Yeah, and, it does. You know, it's, it's, it's how you go about it. And then once all that started kind of like really, really bottling up and then the, the pandemic starts happening. And I mean, I work, I worked in New York. I live in New York. Um, I'm sure everyone knows how amazing this wonderful state has been through this pandemic but um <laughs> yeah great governor by the way oh isn't he <laughs> he's a real gem um i heard he likes playing strip poker but i guess that's to be determined but um right 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 <laughs> but once certain regulations and certain I, I'm, I'm just gonna give the example of the mask mandate I blatantly remember standing in our local Dunkin' Donuts with my partner and one of our other guys who was off duty at the time, and and he's military. So the three of us were standing there talking to Dunkin' Donuts before the mask mandate. This is the beginning of the year, and we were shooting the shit about like where is this gonna go? What could what what could they possibly forcefully implement? And they, as in you know, the big ones, the man, the, the man, yeah, <laughs> and. Imagine if they make everyone wear masks. And I was like, that is complete and utter bullshit. You can't make an entire country wear masks. Like, are you kidding me? Right. And then that shit happened. And I was like, no way. And it was like just something that was that minute. That like really like it was like a click in my mind of like, what the hell? So that Mm -hmm. that happened. And then on top of that, now we're getting 911 calls people are complaining that they see one person or another without a mask on and like wait is this where we're going like is this is this now what we're implementing is we're forcefully or you know not forcefully but you know we have to require people to leave a building because they don't have a fucking piece of cloth over their mouth and their nose like so so wrapping my head around something like that and okay so i'm probably i'm sure people are gonna be like oh god it's a pandemic you know you're saving lives it's not there okay whatever but I, I understand that. I understand there's deaths. I understand all of that. But once you know you get to the numbers and all that jazz, it just wasn't adding up to me. It wasn't making sense to me. And right. it wasn't something that I could get behind. And I don't want to belittle a pandemic, especially for those who have lost their lives and the families who are affected by it. That by by any means, that's not my intention at all. And my my deepest sympathies go out to them. But it was it was the the mere fact of the things that we're trying to be forcefully implemented to yes. law enforcement in general and and not directly by agencies by those the man and that just kind of rocked my shit <laughs> no yeah and 
from there, I don't know what it was just one day. Like I had tons of stuff on social media, I'm sure. Cause that's how we kind of, we came across each other. Yeah, um, yeah. you know, I, I always wanted to show the human side and you, I know you get like tons of old timers on, on online, like, Oh yeah, you're doing a great job. You're doing a TikTok. You're going to really humanize <laughs> the badge. Like, Honestly, I mean, you got some, you got some cringy, cringy people on there. I'm not even gonna lie. But, uh, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, too, is like when you can actually communicate and relate to people, like, hey, we are human beings. We aren't like, like, listen, like this is okay. You can come to us. You can say hi. You can like, it's okay. And then yeah. you're being stripped of that. You're being stripped of that humanity. It's just like, ah. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's so, it's baffling to me. Right. So yeah. I think really where that that's when the, my ball really started rolling in terms of all right I I gotta I gotta start really making this change because I already saw the mental health difference in myself I saw the home I saw everything else going on I, as much as I thought I could fix it with recognizing it and then putting a positive step forward all the new stuff that was coming out <laughs> yeah. was like how can it I just wasn't do getting this any job? better yeah how can I do this job how can I do this to help people and. Hey, we all have our niches, you know, like you got, you got the guy, proactive police guy out here, drug busts, all that fucking awesome. That wasn't my niche. My niche was the, the community policing. It was, was being there. I I got into this to be there for my community on their worst day. Like, let's be Mm -hmm. real. Who's calling 911 to say what's up? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Like you're, you're dealing with the shit of the shit and that's, and those who can't defend themselves, that's why I got into it. And that's why I wanted to be there. And when I felt like that one thing of just merely just trying to be there for the community and help them. And I felt like that power was being stripped away. That That's when I realized, I don't, I don't, what, like, what am I doing here now? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, yes. and I don't want, and I also want to specify that those it wasn't coming from like specifically my agency because I worked for a phenomenal agency uh, as I, as I exited my first agency. I'm just not going to touch base on that, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> unless we need to, but um, I transferred and I, I it was one, the, the best decision I made in that career. And I ended up in an amazing agency with amazing coworkers. And it was, it was hard to leave in that sense. It wasn't something that was, was done wrong. And so it was like that reality check too, that I'm working with amazing people who are here to do the right thing, who are also frustrated by these new regulations that we have administration who's frustrated by these new regulations and these new, you know, who knows what else is going to come out. And it's like, okay, well, when do you say enough is enough? Mm -hmm. And like, shit. If no one's going to listen or no one's going to make a change, you know, you just got to figure something else out, you know? Right. And, and, you know, I, I think in your case, you, you made the right, you made the right choice. Yeah. Um, so something that I've noticed, you know, it's been a trend of people leaving law enforcement. I mean, it, it is what it is. Like, like you said, between the, you know, the war on cops that we experienced last summer yeah. and, you know, basically for the last like 20 some years, but, you know, definitely yeah, specifically exactly. over that, but between that 
and, you know, people realizing that, you know, their mental health and everything that you went through. So I've seen it frequently. But another thing that I've seen that goes with it, have you had any negative backlash at all from people that just don't understand why you left? And and are they giving you a hard time about it? Or are they just like kind of supportive? Like, hey, do what you got to do. In all honesty, I was very impressed and humbled at how great all of the important people <laughs> mm-hmm. responded to it because let's be real. Everyone's got an opinion about everyone. Yeah. And <laughs> I genuinely do not give a shit about people's opinions. <laughs> and like, even if you're close to me, if it like, I, I always take everything with a grain of salt, but um, I really didn't feel like I got any, any negative reactions, a lot of confusion. I definitely got a lot of confusion from people. Um, I will say that there was um, a a boss that wasn't really understanding. And it's someone who, you know, we all have the types of, you know, you're born and bred this, this career, this, this lifestyle. And, and if, if you don't understand it, then, then, then what the fuck are you doing here? Kind of a thing. Yeah. And the moment I, I expressed that this wasn't for me anymore, it was like, dude, you would have thought I chopped off his dick and fed it to his dog. Like, <laughs> like right in front of him. It, it, and so it's, it's situations like that where it's like, and, and it was really only one person and it's unfortunate. And, you know, I, I hope that he made peace with that because I didn't have to make peace with it. I right, right. You're, you're good. You're exactly. like, I'm out. Like, it don't I'm matter. Good, dude. <laughs> It's your, it's your issue that, that you're having a yeah. problem with my life. But, uh, but yeah. And, and that's something that I thought was pretty incredible. I did. So I took down, um, all of my law enforcement stuff. Um, I want to say the beginning of 2020 mm-hmm. and it was really before, like I took down my law enforcement stuff off of my social media platforms. And the reason for it was because I was genuinely fucking tired of being, and, and like, I, uh, this is probably going to be just like contradictory because I just said I don't give a shit about people's opinions. But um, <laughs> people were saying like, like, like projecting me as this, I guess, the, the Instagram cop. And that's not me. Like, I mean, yeah, I like fucking taking pictures. Who, who cares? Like, who, do, who doesn't? Or well, I guess some people don't. But, um, <laughs> you know, the thing was, everything was, was very lighthearted. It was never something to like look like a douchebag or like. You know what I mean? Or look like a, like, yeah, a, yeah. like a, a porn star in a fucking, in, in a, in a uniform. It was always something with like a positive whatever. And it just got to the point where I didn't want to hear it and I didn't want to see it. Even if it was like one or two people here and there with like a negative comment or right. but like one person was like, imagine that showing up as your backup. And as much as I don't give a shit, cause I'm like, dude, you don't even know who I am. It pissed me off. And Understandable. like, let's be real. We're, we're humans. And I'm like, yo, you don't know who I am. You don't know how I work. You don't know how I can go from one second of, you know, saving a life. The next second tasting somebody's ass. Cause they're fighting with my partner. Like it's, it's, you don't know. And so I felt like it started to really attract things that I didn't want it to attract. Whereas my main original goal was to show specifically, honestly, other females that, you can fucking do this. Like Mm -hmm. you got this. We need, we needed more females in law enforcement. And that's hands down the truth. 
And yeah. because let's be real, um, men in law enforcement and women in law enforcement have different roles. It is what it is, you know? And as much as like, you want to be like, oh, we're all, we're all the same. We're not fucking the same. <laughs> and that's a good thing because we have yeah. different strengths and we have different weaknesses. And when you can work with someone that's got a strength in one area and, you know, yours is in another, that's how, that's how, like, the most amazing partnerships are formed. Right, right. That's how you make a team. Yeah, absolutely. And my partners knew that. My partners, and I, and I hope that anyone, any of them who listen to this, if, even if they do, like, they, they agree with me to where we all got along so well. And I know that they could count on me and that they could count on me with whatever it is that they needed. And I know that they felt the same way. And it was definitely an awesome feeling to be told that too. And so like seeing this shit online just like drove me nuts. So I was like, you know yeah. what? I don't even need to do it anymore, I guess. I can just take all this stuff down. And then that's when I realized that my inbox was bombarded. <laughs> and <laughs> I didn't realize like how many people actually give a shit. And a lot of them are, were and continue to still be um young women or not you know, at any age who want to get into law enforcement and they ask they're asking for advice and they're asking for you know how did you p prepare for your your pt and these are these are women across the state and not actually not even across sorry not across the state across the country and across the world i had people from europe i had women from europe reaching out to me mm -hmm. and just for advice on you know how to do things or what my opinion is and how i feel with like okay do i feel like I'm being singled out because I'm a female or, I feel, you know, you know, all that, the, the, the cliche and also still current situations that go on. And that was, that was kind of sad, I think for me, like that I, that I needed to, I felt I needed to take that stuff down because of these fucking trolls when mm -hmm. there are, there are real people who are getting actual like help support and they felt like they could relate to my situation and like what I was doing. So I, I will say that that's definitely something that makes me sad about leaving. Like I said, I don't regret it, but I feel as though like I had, a, I had a really good, good, good spot in this, in this career. And I think I was able to really put forth a lot of experience I had in life. And we have, you know, I've worked a lot of jobs. I've worked with I lived a lot of life, to say the least, for a 29-year-old. <laughs> yeah. um, a lot I can't even remember, and thank you, childhood trauma. I feel like that kind of, like, which, which kind of helps out in this field if you can't remember certain things, you know? You can block yeah. out. Yeah, that's true. You yeah. can block out the fucked up stuff. But, um, you know, it made me sad to, to, that I, to realize that I took it down so quickly because of the trolls and didn't consider that people are actually following my stuff. And, right. Because... You know, they see that, oh, shit, like, a female is doing it. Like, she can do this, and let me ask her for advice. Like, and they felt that comfort, and I thought that was cool as hell, too. That, you know, and that, that, that my page offered that comfort to people that they felt they could just, like, DM a total stranger and be like, hey, mm -hmm. <laughs> can you tell me how to do a push-up correctly? Or how, <laughs> yeah. how, how can, you know, how can I handle being an, a one woman in an all-male-dominated apartment? Like, things like that, and... Right. And I'm someone who just genuinely hates pulling gender as anything, but it, it, it is what it is, you know? And it's definitely, it's definitely, there's definitely a need of course for everyone in it. But, um, if there's anything that I would definitely like 
to to put out there like exactly what you said of we don't want this to be to be relayed as you know just law enforcement's going down (laughs) going down the shit right 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 like get out like no the change needs to happen and we need those who all of you ladies who are in my dms please please go be amazing cops like (laughs) you're needed all you men out there who want to do this like whoever you are all you cats dogs i don't give a shit aliens just if this is what you want to do do it and do it with the most amazing intentions because that's how you're going to make an incredible career for yourself for your agency for your community and you know i don't know i I think that that nowadays we have so many more outlets than we did before Mm -hmm. in terms of getting that information and you know someone actually that you had on your first episode good old dennis yeah dude his trainings are phenomenal i went to his proactive policing one like i think that's something like that's what i always tell people do trainings. You got to keep training because, you know, you get into this, it's constantly changing. That's, I mean, I think that's the most constant thing is change in this. <laughs> oh, for sure. This, this job is not stagnant in any yeah, exactly. stretch of the imagination. It's, it's uh very broad in that you in New York will encounter what I encounter in Florida and yeah. out in California and so on, but it is not stagnant. It will change and it continues to change and it will change until the end of the times. So, Oh yeah, Absolutely. absolutely. And it's like, you know, and without proper training, and that's the biggest thing I think for all of us is definitely having that proper training. And I think that's something that a lot of um, academies compromise on. Oh, for sure. And it's so shitty. Like, Yeah. yeah. It's, it's one of the cornerstones of the entire profession. And mm-hmm. it's so, at the very basic level, so uh, lacking. Yeah. And, you know, like you're saying, when you train, you build your confidence in whatever it is you're training. And when you are confident in whatever you're doing, then you're going to do it better. Yeah. Not even not even saying that you're going to become a master in it, but knowing that you know it. Absolutely. Means you're going to be able to perform a whole lot better. And uh, I talked to a couple of people about this, about different trainings, like if we're talking, you know, case law, if we're talking, you know, proper ways to do traffic stops or mm-hmm. if we're talking, you know, physical training and, and you know how to take someone down if you yeah. need to, all of that, it all comes together and it all just kind of paints this or uh, weaves this big tapestry that is law enforcement and mm-hmm. just makes you so much more um, proficient in this job. Oh, absolutely. So, and, you know, and I think each, every situation that you even go to, like every day you're on the job, you're training. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, Yeah, yeah. You learn something new every day. You you learn, okay, well, okay, I, I, I could have handled that better. So next time I have a similar situation, you know, you go from there or this and the third. And it's, I think that's something that is very lost on a lot of, I want to say civilians, just anyone who doesn't get it um, firsthand is that there's just so many variables. So as much, as prepared as you can be, you can never be prepared <laughs> right like right, you can never right. be completely prepared for everything that's going on i think that that's something that has you know uh it, it, it's becoming it's becoming clearer that that there's there's needed advancements in certain trainings and certain in certain areas like for me like uh, mental health i think that the whole mental health training for for police officers as a whole should just be completely like revamped um yeah 
Cause <laughs> I will say that in doing this podcast, I've talked to a lot of people and a lot of agencies now are starting to develop like mental health units within their agencies yeah. to, or officer wellness programs where it's not just, you know, Hey, go call somebody. No, it's like actually proactively making sure that the officers are okay and giving them resources before there's an issue. And I think that's a great trend and I hope it continues to go that way. Absolutely. And that's something that I'm, I'm grateful for tenfold, you know, for, for every training that I was put through, because that's projecting now into my day to day currently. Like I, I, I can see different signs in certain situations and I understand how to handle, you know, someone in a day to day life that, you know, someone else maybe would have to call a cop for, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like, it's, it's, it's something that is definitely, it, it should be talked about a lot more than it is. Right. Um, and it's, it's disheartening, um, to see or to experience what, 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 what certain trainings we do have in place. And, you know, we do have some phenomenal ones. I, I, I want to say across the board uh, in any state, I'm sure. I've been to some phenomenal ones. Um, but at the same time, too, is like, let's be real. You've got like a bunch of guys and girls sitting in a room and you're about to be talked to about, you know, all these different psychological disorders, or, mm. you know, and if you're not interested in, in it and it's not made to be interesting to you, like tailored in for law mm-hmm. enforcement, you're not going to fucking absorb it. Right. You and could, I think you that could go to 10, 15, 20 different trainings about autism and if it's not something that's grabbing your attention or it's if it's not put in a way or taught in a way that's going to actually retain you're not going then to it's put, a waste yeah it's a complete waste yeah and, and i think the worst is like when they for us at least when they do in service it's always at briefing or roll call yep. in the beginning of the shift and it's like all right for an hour we're going to sit here well we hear the radio blowing up yep. and then they're going to be like Hey, uh, hey, Tommy, you got to go. You can't take this anymore. You, we got call stacking. You got to go take it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and then, and then you don't even have like a, a real mental health professional teaching it. You have someone from the training division teaching it and yep. they're just reading the PowerPoint. So no one's engaged. So you're absolutely right. Like the, we really, if we're going to do this, we got to do it right. And I took uh, crisis intervention training mm-hmm. um, right before field training started. And it was good. Uh, they had a, a mental health professional teaching it. But there were definitely dry points that could have been better. But it was yeah. at least better than death by PowerPoint done by someone from the training division when we're stacking calls. You know, like oh, your yeah. your mind in that setting, your mind isn't there. So it's it's coming. You know, at least I've seen it coming. Hopefully, it's, it's coming yeah. more universally across the country and beyond. And let's be real, it, it's it's hard to like make you know make any sort any form of a a mental health uh, training sexy like who who wants to you know what i mean like yeah me i'm just i'm really into how the the human mind works and so it's it's so fascinating to me but i understand how it can be so dry to someone who just is you know they're they're the drug guy you know what i mean they're they're the intervention guy they want to be out there pulling over cars like tossing cars and and making those big busts so they don't really want to be listening to this and it's not made to be it's not tailored to their learning style. And I think that that's something that needs to, to at least be considered in terms of, yeah, have a mental health professional there, of course, because you need that, the, the professional there. 
but fucking have another cop there with them. Make Something, this, yeah. make this like, you know what I mean? Like a conversation piece or like, let's be real. How many people do we work with that? You literally aren't going to get a point across to them unless you're in their face screaming to them. Like, yo dude, like <laughs> it's like, that's how you, that it's almost like how you have to engage. And I'm going to just jump back to, to Dennis real quick. And I think that's I why I was thinking that. Yeah. yeah, dude. Like he is fucking phenomenal with how he presents his trainings and, you know, hey Dennis, like if you need someone for mental health, let me know. But <laughs> but in all seriousness, like that's how you keep people engaged. Like when I went to his his training, I went to the proactive police one, and I'm sitting there, and I, as you can tell, I can't shut the fuck up. So in any training, I, I'm sitting there raising my hand on that girl, and so he's just like, you know called me out on whatever it was and asked a question I threw out there that I was a dispatcher previously. And let's be real. Our dispatchers have not the best reputations, especially when they're females. Thankfully I established <laughs> a very solid one to begin with. <laughs> and that was, you know, that was something I made sure to do, but right off the bat, like he like motherfucked me in front of an auditorium of people, but it was funny. Yeah, you know what I mean? Right. Like, right. He keeps you engaged and he makes it personable. And I feel like that that's something that is, that that just hasn't been done before and right. or at least not in that extent and i and i think that that's definitely something you know he's doing it with with the proactive patrol he's doing it with the eiffel tower uh not eiffel, T- eiffel tower <laughs> that, that's a different one yeah, different a different tower the ivory tower and you know it's it's definitely something that i think should be done whether it's done by street cop training or whether it's done by by a different um training program it's definitely a course that needs to be reevaluated in many ways because we can't fucking have social workers out there with us that that we can't do that you cannot no. put a social worker in a hostile situation no, and a, expect them to talk down like bob over here with a knife to his throat it's not gonna happen no so i think it just that that's that was a big frustration for mine as well and it was also um a sad point for me too because i i know that that's my strength and that is something that I was, I excelled it um, for my agency. And it's something that I'm sad that, that I feel like I almost kind of like took that away. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but, and I know that it's needed, but it just needs to be done with everyone. I don't think it, it, it's not, it's not something that should be singular to one or two individuals in a department. I think an entire department, or at least most of them, need to have that, that uh, I want to say confidence in handling a situation that, you know, you want to try to use your verbal judo before you have to go hands-on. And a lot of times, if you're dealing with, you know, a mental health individual, a mental health situation, if, it, if, if you don't have the right, even the right tone, it can go from zero to 100 in a split second, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. There's just so many um, caveats to the whole thing. Yeah. And you're you're absolutely right. Well, Allie, this was absolutely amazing. I think we covered a lot of great things. We talked about, you know, mental health and interacting with the community and, and all these great things that people need to take into account. I mean yeah. and, and, and again the, the the message, the overall message, I called this the escape clause, but the idea is that no, don't leave law enforcement. No. But <laughs> <laughs> if if you are feeling that way, address it. You know, yeah. 
be be honest with yourself. If you think it's a bad day or if you think that it's not for you, you need to be able to address it. And I really want to thank you for giving me some time and, and oh, having a conversation. Before we wrap, though, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to play Signal 3. So Signal 3 is um, basically question and answer, basically more uh, get-to-know-you kind of questions. All right. Uh, don't think about them too hard, and we're going to go through it really quick. All right. Okay, let's do it. If you could identify with any sandwich, what would it be? Oh my God, we're going <laughs> crazy here. Oh um, yeah. All right, I gotta go with my my number one sandwich from Subway. I get the the, the, the sweet onion chicken teriyaki. <laughs> okay. Subway okay. sandwich with extra banana peppers and extra black olives. That's my sandwich. <laughs> black olives, really? Dude, I love them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What's your dream vacation destination? Oh my God, I want to go to shit is it the bahamas where you can play with pigs in the ocean yes yes you can can snorkel with pigs i was actually i was supposed to go there last week but corona killed that no way yeah that's exactly where you were going yeah that is all that's i'm so sad for you (laughs) i know i had the cruise booked and we were gonna go uh swim with some pigs oh my god see that's what i want to do so bad i would i would have definitely been mortified if that was my situation so yeah yeah yeah. still not happy about it but you know what i went to nashville and it it wasn't too bad oh i'm going back this summer i'm so excited i love nashville yeah (laughs) oh it was awesome um what's your favorite movie my favorite movie is across the universe oh wow i I forgot about that movie yes yep i am a crazy beatles fan like in in, in my upbringing so my parents played Beatles all day every day and I just fell in love and when that movie came out it was like oh god I've I've seen it over like 200 times (laughs) (laughs) did you see the one that came out recently where like it was it was like this Indian kid yeah yesterday yes that's what I thought it was called yes that so good (laughs) was it good I saw the trailer okay very cool yeah I'm pretty sure I've seen like either every single Beatles movie or close to every one or every semi-related one (laughs) (laughs) um what where was your favorite place to hang out while you were working on duty Hmm. oh man i gotta think about that one real quick i to to be totally honest i don't think i have a specific spot but definitely just those side by sides wherever those meetups were Mm -hmm. and you were just shooting the shit with your partner until the next call came over Really, really just any meetup spot. I don't, yeah. I don't think, I guess any random parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. Uh, what was your, or what is your favorite cop movie? My favorite cop movie. Oh, End of Watch. Okay. Up until like the last half hour, then I turned it off. I can't watch the end of it. I know, I know. I couldn't, <laughs> let, I couldn't let my family watch it. I was like, y'all can't watch it. I was like going through the yeah. Academy too at that time. So. Right, yeah, exactly. I was going through the Academy. We were sitting down to watch it for the first time. Had no idea what was coming. And then when it came, I was like, ah, shit. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Like, everyone was blindsided by that to begin with. It's like, oh, my God, do I really want to do this? All right, yeah, I do. I got to take down those right. guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's your favorite donut flavor? Um. Okay, either glazed or Boston cream. Okay. Okay, good with that. When you're walking into the biggest moment of your life, what song do you want to play in? Oh, oh my God. So that's probably going to be my wedding. <laughs> Honestly, anything by the Beatles. Yeah, I saw Anything, that anything by the Beatles. <laughs> if you had to pick a song? 
While My Guitar Gently Weeps is probably one of my favorite. I know it's like a, a sad song and like for like the greatest moment of your life, but it's just such an amazing song and an important song to me that, I mean, it just resonates. Nice. I, I'll dig it. Um, so this one kind of speaks differently. Okay. Um, now that you are no longer a cop, what what are you doing? <laughs> I'm living my best damn life, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I am actually going to beauty school i'm in cosmetology school um okay. to become a hairstylist which i had three three major dreams ever since i was a kid in terms of career wise it was to be an actress to be a hairstylist and to be a cop so okay go okay. figure with all three of those and <laughs> i had actually started the process for cosmetology school before i went to college um I lost my stepdad to cancer in 2014, so my decision to go to beauty school was really to stay home and take care of him, but I wasn't allowed to do that. <laughs> so yeah, I was yeah. like, well, then, you know what? I'm going to be a co become a cop first. And I did, fell in love with it, and now I, that was another thing. I was like, I don't want to wait till I'm 40-something to chase my next dream. Um, yeah. So that's what I'm doing now, and hopefully, watch out. I'm going to be, if, if anyone you know needs some hair extensions over in New York, Come my way, I'll let you know. So I'll send them your way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, perfect. Um, describe your significant other in one word. <sighs> Incredible. <laughs> um, Robocop, super motivated. Okay. <laughs> Honestly, he's probably one of the most driven, um, well-rounded people I've ever known. And nice. he, he keeps me, he holds me accountable. And that is that is definitely a trait that a lot of people or a, a characteristic people people try to have towards me, and I, I'm just a very independent, thick-headed person, so I wouldn't really let that in until him. And you know, when he calls me on my shit, that's I think that's the best thing. And then yeah. at the end of the day, we're always there for each other. Very good. I like that and a lot. And he understands me. That's as best as, <laughs> as best as he can. That's right. That's right. Uh, if you could share a meal with one person, dead or alive, that you've never met, who would it be, and what would you order? Does it have to be famous? No. Uh, we're going to get deep. It would be my stepdad. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. And I would go to the diner and I would order a tall stack of French toast with a ton of syrup. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I like That's it. what I would do. Hell yeah. Uh, if you were given a do-over, was something in your life you would do differently? Oh. Hmm. I've, yeah, I want, honestly want to say nothing. Yeah. I think I wouldn't change a thing because every single thing that I've been through and done and seen and regretted or didn't regret brought me right now to this exact moment and I wouldn't change it for the world. Nice. Good answer. All right. Uh, late at night, you're just binge watching Netflix or something. What is your go-to late night snack? Oh, either white cheddar cheese at grooves or okay. chocolate. <laughs> Just any chocolate. Any chocolate. Okay. I, well, I'm not, either dark chocolate or milk chocolate. I'm not a white chocolate person. No, that, I I don't get down with white that chocolate. Should, that's a party. Yeah, that, that should be illegal. And I don't yeah. Know. I... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. All right. Last question. What is the best piece of advice anyone ever gave you? To be myself. To literally be myself 
no matter the cost and to never compromise who I am for anyone, anything, any situation, any job. Perfect. That's good. And it's so simple, but it's something that we always, you know, kind of discredit. We don't, we don't really think about that enough. Absolutely. Especially when it's, it's almost like, you know, we're in the social media age. Everyone's trying to look good for one person or another. And I feel like so many people lose track of who they are. And yep. that's probably one of the saddest things a person could do is lose track of exactly who you are. Cause that's, you know, you have everyone around you, but at the end of the day, you have no one but yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Very good point. All right. Well, Allie, that concludes the episode that, or I'm sorry, the conversation I still got a little bit left to do on my side, but uh, I want to thank you for giving me your time. If people want to reach out to you, how do they do it? Where are you at on social media? Um, you can find me on Instagram at Allie underscore oops, O O P S, or you can find me on TikTok. Same thing, but with two underscores because someone took my OG name. I was kind of pissed about that. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, you can why find we can't me have nice things. <laughs> All right, perfect. Thank you so much for your time, and we will get with you later. Thank you so much. All right, no problem. We'll be right back. All right, guys, I'm back. And uh, once again, I really want to thank Allie for sharing that that perspective. And uh, she's she's got a lot to offer, and, and she definitely gave us a whole bunch to really chew over and, and think about. Uh, I know me personally, I'm not there yet. You know, I still have – I have my bad days, sure. We all do. But I'm still in the game. I'm still, still here. Um, but I do know that for a lot of people, it is a scary idea that – you know, leaving this job, leaving this career path, but it might actually be something they need to consider. Again, not saying that we need to have a mass blue flu and have everyone leave the job. That's not what I'm saying. But you need to remember to put you first. If you love this career and still enjoy coming to work daily, then keep on keeping on. But don't put yourself or the public in danger because of your indifference or even worse. So now I do want to transition real quick to our code for check. So last week I went to Nashville. I said that uh, from my front door to the Airbnb was roughly a 10 hour drive. And in some traffic, we were looking at probably 11 or plus. Anyway, it left for a lot of quality time for me to think and me to like throw some ideas back and forth. And one of the things that I thought about was self-improvement. And I know that Code 4 Check has primarily been reserved to me checking on you guys about your mental health, which that continues to be my one, uh, you know, paramount concern, which again, reach out to people like project109.org or project109 on Instagram and, and uh, have them help you out the best they can. But as I started to think about my own mental health on that drive, I started to think about my own personal journey to personal growth, which is something so important. Now, I just want to preface what I'm about to say, that I'm not a finished product. I'm not a master. I still screw up. I still have my issues. I'm no Jocko. I'm not Joe Rogan, Goggins, Annie Frisella, Ryan Mickler, Ryan Holiday. And they, the, everyone I just listed, those are people that I listen to 
and have been motivated by to improve myself. But I'm not them. I'm not. I'm some guy who's still working on myself. So what I'm going to do over the next couple of episodes is to talk openly or more openly about what I've done to improve myself and and get to this good spot, this happy spot I'm in right now. And what I want to say is that while I am in a good spot, I am not comfortable and I'm not done. My guests in the future, we're going to talk about some goals that I'm striving for. Um, You know, I've already talked about stoicism and I may need to revisit that because as more people check out the show, they listen to that episode with with the stoic cop and they want to know more. So we might need to delve into that a little bit more. Um, I've talked nutrition with Nick Wall. If you haven't listened to either of those episodes, go get to them. Uh, They're good. Episode three. And I don't know what episode Nick is, but it was a few. It was like a month ago. So go check that out. Uh, They don't age. And they're full of great information, and that's really what I'm here for. So um, we're actually going to start this new and improved like code four check next week. I just want to let you guys know that uh, for the next probably like month or so, that's going to be the focus. That being said, we are going to wrap the episode for the week, but I do have a few housekeeping things that I want to talk about before I'm done. So first, I want to continue to thank you guys for your continued support of the podcast and the meme page. Uh, I want to thank everyone who has purchased items from the merch store. I also want to thank you for your patience while I revamp it, revamped the packaging and shipping process to make it more streamlined so I don't have so much downtime between when you order and when you receive it. Um, I really hope this cuts down on all the shipping delays that you guys have experienced. Again, it is a one-man operation here at 108HQ, and uh, you know I, I want to work as much on the podcast and, and on the meme page, and by doing that, um, I also have a full-time job as a police officer, and I work too much overtime doing that. So, you know, I, I guess I spread myself very thin, um, so that's what it is, and I apologize, but if you have an order and you are waiting for it, it should be shipped by today. If not, email me and we will take care of it. Also, Canadian friends, I know you have messaged me, you wanted some merch, but you don't want to pay the crazy international shipping fees, which I totally understand. Well, I am teaming up with Canuck Cup, uh, which is a company in Canada. They're, they have... Uh, they're going to start making some personalized tumblers, wine glasses, and water bottles, and a bunch of other cool stuff for you guys to get up there. So once we finalize all that, just stay tuned, and I will be uh, making that publicly known and available for you guys. Um, as far as the podcast goes, this is going to be a very busy month for the 10-8 podcast. As it stands right this second, in four in the four weeks of this month, Counting today's episode, I'm bringing you six new episodes of the 108 podcast. People have been blowing up the Instagram, blowing up my email. I've been reaching out to some people. Everyone wants to be on this show. We are, we are growing. We are, we got some good uh, speed and traction. I can't wait. I've actually double booked one of the weeks this month. Um, not, not that you will complain, I'm sure, but we're just, we're getting so many episodes and so many people that want to talk to you guys and talk to me, and I want to talk to everybody in the world. So. It's just great. So just to give you kind of a heads up of what's coming up, uh, we have a brand new Jersey Boys episode that's coming up later. Uh, not this week, probably in a week or two. As well as for the 10-8 podcast itself, not the Jersey Boys, but the 10-8 podcast, we've got uh, a bunch of police officer musicians. We've got uh, Eric Botsford, who is from Kentucky. We talked to him. We also are going to be talking to Ben and Dave from the Hey My Man podcast, who are also police officer musicians, uh, not to be confused with police officer magicians. Haven't found me one of them yet, but if you know one, let me know. Let's let's figure that out. I also have an episode with the 
Instagram meme sensation, not today IA, and we're going to talk about being a uh, campus cop and a couple other things. That's going to be good. That one is entitled Breaking the Internet. Uh, you're going to want to listen to that one. Trust me. And also coming up from the Center of Problem-Oriented Policing in Arizona State University, we have the director, Michael Scott. No, not that one. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a very informative episode, and you guys are going to want to listen to it. That's actually coming up next week, and uh, it's, it's a good one. Trust me. They're all good, but I like that one a lot. So let's wrap it up. The music for today's episode was Black by Dirks Bentley, My Life Story by MXPX, While My Guitar Gently Weeps by The Beatles. I think you might have heard that band. And we're going to wrap it up with Hate Me Sometimes by Stand Atlantic. If this is your first time checking out this show, thank you so much for hanging out with me. Uh, please check out our previous episodes. I'm sure you'll find something you dig. We've got uh, Dennis Benino, Kenny Williams from Street Cop Training. We've got a bunch and a bunch of great people that I've talked to, just cops from around the country. We've got Officer Smith, Deputy Hookham, Tourette's cop from the Humanizing the Badge movement, um, Project 109. We've got a bunch of episodes with them. And uh, of course, two drunk cop episodes if you want to listen to something silly. There's something for everybody. Please check it out. Also, while you're here, please... Rate, review, subscribe, and most importantly, share this show with anyone you think will enjoy it. I don't care if they're a cop, I don't care if they're a dispatcher, a paramedic, a firefighter, whatever. It could be a mom, they could be a dad. I don't care. If uh, if they want to enjoy it, if you think they'd enjoy it, let them know. Word of the mouth has been the best tool for any of my uh, social media to date, and I just want to continue to use it and reach out to you guys. It's my favorite way to touch you guys. I mean, keep in touch with you guys. Anyway, until next week, folks, take care of each other. Stay safe. 10-8, out. Save yourself